0: Thank <laughs> you. This is the South African Composer Archive. Uh, my next guest, you'll know him for his work with the many ensembles such as Babu, Gunfire Orchestra, Ancient Agents, and the Rizakota Quartet, as well as his performance pieces by artists uh, William Kentridge and Nicholas Chlorbo. Uh, you'll know him for regular performances at the Joy of Jazz Festival and the Cape Town International Jazz Festival. Uh, you'll also know him for his albums Transmutation, Liminal, and *Uproots*, which was nominated by The Mail and Guardian, as one of the top 20 South African albums of the decade. Uh, With me, guitarist, improviser, and composer, Riza Koto. Thank you very much for joining me in my lounge. Thank you, Matthias. As we have a car, of course, driving past as we start
1: talking. (laughs) Um,
0: Yeah, let's jump straight into it. So, who or what inspired you to start a career in music or to go down the road of music?
2: So, I kind of, um, it was my dad, basically who got it going. I suppose there's various people who inspired me along the way uh, at very different stages of my development. So the first stage was through my father, uh, my father could play guitar like you know for himself he played nice. and he played sort of songs <clears throat> that he enjoyed, songs of, of his time you know so Beatles songs or, or covers of The Shadows so my dad bought a guitar at some point when I was around eight or nine years old. And uh, this was him rediscovering playing for himself as he had a break. And I kind of just gravitated towards the instrument and he showed myself and my brother, elder brother, what he knew. And I was the one who took over, just like took the guitar right, and kept right. it. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I basically just... Stole it. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: Did you, did you yeah. play any sort of bands while you were in school or anything like that?
2: Not at that stage. This is really young. So, this is like nine years old. There was a, a friend of mine at, in primary school who played guitar as well. Right. And so we did duos. That's, okay. That's as much of a band as it was.
0: Right. right. Yeah. You yeah, know, there, there was a guy um, in one of my older bands that I yeah. played with who originally started off on violin. Okay, and yeah. he absolutely hated them—the the repertoire, like that they were playing. Right. Right. So he was yeah. eventually like, "Well, I kind of like the string side yeah. of things. Like, fuck yeah. it, I'm going to yeah. guitar kind of thing." But yeah, yeah. so yeah. So you said you, like your family, you, you come from a musical family, like yeah, and...
2: not not serious, not professional music, but definitely there was music in the family. My mom's brothers played guitar too, right. and I remember the record player and like some orchestral music that they had as well as like pop music but i i kind of i kind of remember the orchestral stuff I, as a kid that got my imagination going i right. used to like lie upside down on the couch imagining i was going into space and uh listening to the orchestral music because that gave me this idea of journeying into the the unknown right yeah, yeah.
0: i can i can definitely hear that There, there's sort of like a I don't want to use sci-fi, but there's a slight kind of... I mean, I guess with things like Event Horizon and yeah, stuff like that, yeah, there yeah. there is a slight kind of um, like tip of the hat to, to sci-fi. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you you did formally study uh, music. You were you were at UCT? I no, no, you Vitz. were at WITS. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I was Vitz,
2: yeah. It was amazing. Uh, I've had a very good experience at WITS in general because my training prior to university was largely... Informal. I had teachers, I had a mentor actually, but it wasn't school based. At school, there wasn't really a strong music thing going on. So it was all my own thing. So when I got to varsity, doing music in a formal way was like a real privilege for me. And I I totally like ate it up in a sense, like uh, it was fantastic for me. Whereas I found some of my peers who had studied formally, they were bored already. By the time they got to first year, it was like, oh, Harmony, uh, Counterpoint. For me, it was like, wow, Harmony and Counterpoint. This is incredible. I love this stuff. Everything was like new for me, doing it in that way. So it was a very productive time. And I I was just, I was like a begin. It was beginner's mind for me. I was just lapping it all up. So I would spend a lot of time in the libraries just checking stuff out, you know, that was over and above what was required for the the course. Mm. So Wurz and, and the music department at that time, I started in 96. Right. It was a pretty good school still. It was the the last of the the kind of previous approach that they had and then now it's changed to this interdisciplinary kind of okay. school. But at that point it was still more of a classical institution and they had a very strong piano department. Mm-hmm. It was like known throughout the country. So the piano department and there was a very good early music specialist and some good composition teachers. They kind of formed the the basis of what was going on there. Right. Um, and also one of my colleagues was Jonathan Crossley, uh was there and he was fantastic. He was probably the best classical guitarist in the country right. at the time. Yes. Yeah. So we worked a lot together. And he influenced me, and in fact, I chose him to be my teacher, even though he was a year only a year ahead of me because i didn't want to go to this sort of older generation there was someone teaching from a much older generation who I found was too conservative and no, wasn't a performer. He was just the guy sitting smoking a pipe and teaching in all due respect to him he 's great great uh, pedagogue. But I wanted to be with someone who was playing and really excited me because when I heard Jonathan play,
0: it was just mind blowing. He was really like a captivating performer. Was this um, specifically electric or did you sort of go in doing classical guitar? No, no, this is all classical guitar. guitar. This is all classical guitar.
2: I did the whole classical thing very seriously. Um, Did a master's in, in classical solo performance.
0: You then later on you you came down to UCT or No 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 I no, never no. studied Why am I at UCT? why do I did you work at UCT? Why mm. do I why do I think there's I a think connection I was, there? I was when
2: I moved here in two thousand and six, I was I basically connected very strongly with a lot of musicians who come from there. And Naidu being one. And then Shane Cooper. And then subsequently the whole generation of musicians that, that came from there, Bokani, Kyle you know, Mandla. I, I I think Mandla studied this. I don't yeah, know. Actually, think yeah. So right. Mandla, uh, Claude Cousins, Benjamin Jafter, basically everyone who's come out of there that's playing professionally on the scene. I've had right. kind of contact with and right. played with, and you know, I, I, I've I've uh, I've examined the. It's about as much as I've done. Right. I've done concerts there and I've right. examined there. Right, so. Right.
0: so you said you primarily did uh, classical guitar. Yeah. Did you uh, study composition in any way formally? I did composition. Um, you do it
2: like in your first two years as part of your general... Beam, okay, beam, beam, so at WITS you, you yeah. have to do it as... Yeah, it's compulsory for meditation. the first two or three years. Is it maybe three years? And then, I, But I, I majored in performance. I did a performance major. So... But the composition thing for me was uh, something that uh, those three years were like a condensed form of learning, but then I unpacked stuff after after the fact, right, as okay. we do. And you continue learning. It's not really like something that you only do when you're studying.
0: Who who was teaching composition at the time? There was a
2: woman called Sally Davies Decker. Okay. Um, and then the the head of department was Carl van Weyck, who's in the same kind of... League of all the conservatory composers in South Africa, right. you know so yeah he was he was cool as well, so i I got some stuff from him, he took some of the classes as well, right. yeah, but you know, I would say compositionally the, a lot of it came from my interests, I mean I got technical knowledge from uh the teachers um but I think more of the inspiration came from listening and just what I was into.
0: So what was the first time then that someone approached you to write something specifically for them? Or, have, or do you write primarily for yourself? I suppose I write primarily
2: for bands that I play in. But to be honest, I can't really remember. I, I probably did a few commissions when I was studying or soon after. I have vague recollections, but it's nothing that really stands out. I think the, the main body of work in my writing has been related to bands that I play
0: well speaking of yeah. I mean if if you were to sort of you know at gunpoint be told like an example of an early <laughs> early work yeah. what what would you say so
2: like- we have this uh, album by Babu uh, which is a collaboration between myself, Kessovan Naidu, Shane Cooper, and Ronan Skillen. And uh, the track that I think might be worth listening to is Close Encounters. Right, another
0: yeah. sort of slightly uh, science fiction Yeah, exactly. There's a little yes. you know, nod to that right. genre. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah.
2: Well, Babu is really a very energetic collaboration. Uh, Kesev and Naidu and myself put the band together.
1: Right.
2: We had been talking some for some years about collaborating and we had this shared interest in Indian music, Indian classical music. And he'd won the Samro, uh, bursary and, and went to India to right. to study. Right, okay. And when I moved here in 2006, I had started studying South Indian music with a teacher here called Michael Nixon. And we got, we got a call, both of us, to do a performance for India High Commission for their Independence Day festivities or commemoration and so Kes and I got together and decided to create this band and we picked he largely picked this the the musicians because he knew the musicians right I was new so that that's how Babu came about so there was this real interest in Indian classical music but more in the sense of how it could meld with the other musical interests that we had we weren't really in a position to be pure classical Indian musicians mm-hmm. we, except for Ronan who played tabla none of us really played a, a traditional Indian mu- in instrument so with our kind of jazz improvisation western classical background we put something together and I, the first piece we worked on was a piece by Kesavan which is on the album it's actually an incredible tune it's called Eclipse I think it's possibly the best track on the album actually, but it's, it's Kez's tune. <laughs> right. um, then I, I wrote a whole bunch of other tunes, most of which are on the album. And a lot of what we, the way we were writing was coming out of exploring the rhythmic system of Indian music, the tala system yeah. and the the rag system. So Close Encounters is based on rag purya, which is a, it's a, a rag based on a scale that you don't find in you don't find in Western music. It's yeah. very interesting. So if you listen to it, you'll hear when you construct chords out of it, which is also not a traditional thing to do. It's more of a jazz approach. You get these very interesting qualities that you don't find in traditional harmony. So that's kind of what was leading that. And I was also listening to different renditions of that rag to get melodic ideas.
0: So how do you work, what is your yeah. process, how do you put something together?
2: So it's different things, you know, uh, I spend a lot of time with my guitar. I think I'm a, you know, you get composers sit with a paper or they write in their head or mm. I'm one of the composers who works with an instrument, like I suppose a lot of composers work with a piano, so the, the guitar is what the piano is to, to most composers. Right. But I also work away from the guitars. But I'd, I'd say a lot of the ideas come from sitting with the instrument. Uh, sometimes it's something that you'll hear and then you try to transcribe it from your head, which is challenging, but at times you get close to what you're hearing. Um, right. But, you know, I, I spent hours and hours sitting and, and unpacking concepts on the instrument, harmonic concepts or melodic ideas or rhythmic ideas, and then something will come out of that. And then say, okay, this sounds like it could turn into a composition, and then you you know you we're always influenced by things we're listening to so whatever you're into and I've been into lots of music over the years so that might either consciously or even unconsciously be pushing the music in a in a direction.
0: So while well, I was listening to it yesterday, uh, to Luminal. yeah, I was wondering like how much of it is uh, notated, how much of it is improvised, how much yeah. it, how much is sort of very pre planned improviser yeah. if that makes yeah. sense yeah, I could show you the scores <laughs> okay so but so yeah. do you go do you go quite detailed in in yeah your writing? so i
2: yeah, I mean, if you know jazz in the way people write sort of let's say contemporary jazz and if it even even standard jazz I suppose it comes from that tradition where you write the blueprint of the song um, I suppose I, I would write a bit more than that because my song forms don't follow the traditional jazz song forms Yeah. we don't cycle the same form necessarily the form might have sp- special sections for solos so the melodic, uh, rhythmic, harmonic structures are there and then there are specific sections for soloing but then the the way we play as a band is very free and because we we, we're not afraid to take a detour yes as you will hear when you you hear the band like
0: this is very true i mean like the times that i've seen you there have definitely been kind of things of like this is very different from the last time that i recognized exactly exactly and that's what
2: i really love about this band and and the music is there's just no... There isn't that anxiety that I sometimes feel in, in bands where if people digress, then they, like, get scared about, like, oh, how are we going to get back yeah you know? So we enjoy losing the plot and, and right. getting lost. And uh, so there's a fair amount of other improvisation besides soloing, which usually happens in free uh, sort of groove sections, maybe outros, intros. But it can really happen anywhere. Uh, as long as we know how to get uh, get back to... You know, the course
0: Yeah, yeah Um, When in in doubt The Mike Campbell Touching your head (laughs) Something like (laughs) Like, that You know, know, yeah
2: The head or Yeah There can be different ways But but playing with someone Like Shane, for instance Makes that very possible Because he's Such an adept Bass player And His ear And his musicality Is just Really wide open Which is a, a Fantastic Privilege for me to work with people like that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, it it is that kind of, uh, there's a, what's his name? Tufan, the a violinist, who was telling me once, he's like, you know, the orchestra is always as strong as its weakest member. So if if you have like, good players with you, you can really kind of, Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So you mentioned sort of like listening to a lot of, of, uh, or being inspired by various uh, musicians. Sure. Who would you consider to be sort of your biggest influences?
2: So, you know, when I was younger, I had a mentor called Faisal Burrani and he introduced me to a lot of what continued to be influential throughout my life. So he introduced me to a lot of classical stuff including composer Vila Lobos right. who's, uh, because of the guitar he wrote some of these sort of shall we say iconic works or the important works for the guitar. He's, he's, yeah. he's a composer that wrote uh, important works. So Vila Lobos, Bach, and a and a Paraguayan composer called Augustin Barrios Mangore, okay. incredible composer. Like, in fact, John Williams, the the guitarist John Williams, yeah. rate, rates him as the greatest guitarist composer who ever lived. Uh, that is a guitarist who, who composed and played. Um, mm-hmm. Playing Barrios' music kind of opened up what was possible on the instrument for me. So those are early influences, but then. Faisal, my mentor, also introduced me to the whole world of jazz, as I got into much later. But he kind of opened the door, so I discovered Miles, I discovered uh, Coltrane, and a guitar player called John McLaughlin, who who continued to be a a great inspiration. I just went nuts and just
0: listened to that music. Is he on, is it Friday Night in San Francisco? That's right, that's right, that's
2: right. That's one of his directions, but, you know, so McLaughlin is is known for super group fusion group called Mahavishnu Orchestra. And that, that was like the early stuff that I was really into. That was like, cause I was into rock right. when <laughs> I was young, yeah, yeah. right. So then Mahavishnu Orchestra was like this rock, but with very sophisticated harmony and rhythms and it's like wide open, again, oh, right. you know, and also besides that, they had this, this kind of spiritual, searching in the music which also like really took me right. took my interest right. um so john mclaughlin i would say is a very important influence but i listen widely so i listen to all the the great jazz players especially the modern players john schofield bull frizzell uh, pat Metheny, you know
0: and, and many others yeah no, i i need to i must check out that that orchestra yeah. like the the friday night in san francisco That's. That. like my knowledge of guitar albums it's, it's like it's that and yeah. G3 basically yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. like
2: yeah. yeah I mean I think that album was amazing for it's time but if you listen to it now it sounds a bit like gymnastics okay. like musical yeah, athletics yeah, and it's, it's amazing but it, I, I feel that album is more dated than, than like the Mahavishnu Orchestra right, 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 another side of John McLaughlin was Shakti Shakti was a collaboration where he kind of started studying Indian music and uh, he, he studied the Veena uh, the old string instrument and he collaborated with Zakir Hussain, the tabla player and Viku Vinayakram who plays the, the clay part the guttam, right. and they formed Shakti and actually Shakti was a huge ins- inspiration for Babu so a lot of what we were drawing on was the energy of Shakti because Shakti was just like pure energy It's like mad right. unbridled it's... uncontainable energy if you listen to that and it was the first example for me of a world I say that inverted commas world music fusion that was really successful because it wasn't contrived in any way like McLaughlin studied the the nuts and bolts of that music and he was he was in love with the music and that's where that came out of it didn't come out of this kind of I wonder if we put this style and that style together. I think it would sell and I right. think it would be really popular in the festivals. They weren't, right they weren't thinking about that at all. Well, he was searching. He was like, he quit the psychedelic drugs and he he got a guru, Sri, Sri Chinmoy, and he was find, trying to find the answers to questions he had about life and existence and, and music was part of that and, and that's what Shakti was about. It was real. And I think that experience of the the, the realness of that was really stuck with me. So, definitely, uh, basically, John McLaughlin was a, was a huge influence. I should say also that um, I was also listening to a lot of classical music. Besides the guitar-based classical music, I was a huge fan of Stravinsky. I kind of got that also through rock because some rock guitar players spoke about Stravinsky and then I discovered Stravinsky. Right, right. got my first record uh, of The Rite of Spring and The Firebird when I was in high school and that just rearranged my senses it just blew me away completely no, 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 no. i was never the same after that after listening to the right to spring i was it's just, you can you can't be the same after that
0: i i used to bore friends of mine non classical friends <laughs> listening to it and but like specifically kind of going like this is the birth of metal guys (laughs) like like, it's kind of bar chord kind of you know yeah yeah um yeah no it it is like i mean you do i think it's on the transmutation of like you do an arrangement of a Bartok. yeah like a fragment of the intro yeah
2: Yeah, exactly so Bartok, lutoslavsky of course Ravel, debussy prokofiev uh, Rachmaninoff uh, and then older composers as well the Romantic era but I, I tended to gravitate to 20th century because the harmony for me was more up to date yeah. with what I was listening to
0: I mean I think like sort of part of why I ask of like you know how notated how um, improvised it is like, I, I will readily admit that of the members of, like, say, the shot ensemble, I am probably the least versed in, in South African jazz. And, okay. like, you know, yeah. I probably your gigs are the most sort of, like, jazz gigs that okay. I've been to, to wow. be absolutely wow. honest. Oh, cool. Um, so, but even that, though there's a certain style about your writing which for me and also how how you perform and having done like free improv stuff with you as well, your feet kind of feel a little bit like in both worlds for me. Like I I wouldn't like my first instinct would not be to say jazz. You know, like I don't I don't know.
2: Like No, you you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: In fact I think for
2: the last twelve years I've I've been playing catch up because I, I arrived in the scene here in 2006 when there was a very strong jazz scene. And right. I, when I say jazz, I mean like bebop jazz, because these, all these guys were coming out of UCT, out of the this Berkeley-influenced bebop schooling. And a lot of the gigs that were happening at places like the Green Dolphin, the Armchair Theater maybe, uh, and various small gigs around the city were standards-based. And I arrived here, and I had played standards, and I taught myself a lot about jazz, but I didn't have the the kind of language background, right. bebop language background. Right. right. Um, I had a technical knowledge of scales and some kinds of sensibility about jazz, but I hadn't done the time that those guys had done, which was like transcribing Charlie Parker solos and right, right. that kind of thing. You know. So I. Over the last twelve years, I've been catching up
1: a but lot. It, but yeah. it's
0: good, though. I think it sets you apart. The, I suppose yeah, that's, what, that's what people like, say. That's yeah. what people
2: say. You know, and I, some people would say, "No, you know, they wouldn't notice maybe." Uh, right, right. But I think like players who really know uh, the bebop language would hear that I'm not playing it in the way that someone who's really schooled in it plays it. Right. Um,
0: i I've, I've been trying for ages to. There's a friend of mine who is. He likes music, yeah. um, but he's not at all kind of uh, doesn't do music at all. And I've been trying to drag him to a gig of yours for okay. a while because like the shows that you do for me, maybe this sounds wrong, but it feels like sort of like a gateway drug, oh, kind of yeah. like uh, like, uh, like you know, like yeah. the, the, like you can experience slightly more kind of like yeah. art music, but yes. at the same time you can go like he does a fucking cool cover of Hendrix, so right. like you yeah, know yeah. Come, like yeah, yeah, you yeah, know yeah. you can you yeah. can come check the out yeah. so. How would you, speaking of stylistic things, how would you kind of describe your current style? Has it changed quite a bit? You say you've been catching up (laughs) a little bit. Well, catching up is is in terms of
2: my own practice. Maybe not necessarily in terms of artistic output. Because when I write music or do albums, I'm not thinking about trying to be a bebop musician or trying to be this or that musician, whatever. I'm not thinking about that at all. I'm just writing what sounds good to me and what's coming out of the process that i'm in into so so catch up was really just my own practice and the time that i spent with my instrument and i still do right still spend lots of time just listening transcribing working on my own vocabulary as well right And, and recently i'm doing a bit more of that i'm starting to think i want to play what I can imagine that comes from the, the best of my imagination and I'm trying to connect that to you know, in an immediate way to what comes out mm. that's something I'm working on uh, more more so now uh, what was the question though?
0: Uh, stylistically if you've changed if you feel your sound has changed over the years yeah
2: it has I think for one uh, it, it's become less complicated I think there was definitely a, a time when I was exploring complexity. Not that I, I don't do that now, but it's not a feature. Okay. Um. I, I, there was like definitely a point where I wanted to explore complex writing that was challenging technically, but that was coming from the energy that, that comes with technical playing. You know, virtuoso playing. As you know, you're a violinist. You know what that's about. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not virtuosity for virtuosity's sake, but there's an energy associated with that. And, yes. and that's kind of what I was... Interested in that a lot, whereas now maybe it's just the thing of you get older and then you you don't have to play a thousand notes per second anymore <laughs> um you can say a lot with with less material, so I think there's a bit more economy of of material uh more sense of interest in space, but also over the years, I've become very interested in rhythm um and also in and time feel and something um, it's a focus for me at the moment is. I think partly because it's something I've had to work on to get better at and now it's like it's just such a feature for me of what is the difference between something that's good and bad in music is when when something has a good time feel it usually is, is potent. So yeah, time rhythm and the body and how that all relates is, is something that's interesting and maybe comes out in, in some of the music.
0: So speaking of like more kind of recent things, yeah. you've recently just released an album, yeah. Liminal. Yes. Um, mm. This was, uh, it was recorded at, with Fuzzy again, Sound Motion? Yes, yeah. Simon
2: Radcliffe, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sound of Motion Studios. The album's kind of a long way coming because we did the first album in 2014, mm. recorded in 2013, mm. released in 2014. And we we recorded the second album in twenty eighteen, so it's kind of four years later. But part of the reason why it took a while is because most musicians in South Africa are, have to survive by doing a hundred different, in being in a hundred different projects or whatever, teaching or playing in several different bands. So it's very hard to to have people who are available for one project. I wouldn't expect that so it's taken time for that reason to get to put on gigs as you know we don't have a a thriving live music scene so it takes a lot of energy to put on a show and to keep a band playing regularly and consistently so yeah so it took a while but kind of the band was suggesting we should really record now so I I kind of put my mind to it and consolidated some new things and wrote some new things, especially for the album. So some of the material was written last year to kind of complete the album because there were just a handful of new things. We were still playing a lot of old material. So that's how that came about. And I really enjoyed working with Simon for the first album. He's a great engineer. He's a musician. And he doesn't get in the way, although he has great knowledge. So he's the kind of ideal person i like to have in the studio and i'm very sensitive to people people's ears and yeah. how, the, how they listen if you have an engineer with a crap vibe who's critical or has a different idea to what you have it can really influence a recording situation yes so yeah simon gets it and for this album we did some new things uh in terms of the production and i think um, the production is something i'm really happy with uh, also yeah. on the album,
0: I've I've done a lot of stuff with him over the yeah. years, like uh soundtrack work and stuff yes, like that. Right. Yeah. So yeah, there there is a certain energy that yeah. comes from him to yeah. the point where I sometimes wonder, like when we do like orchestral recordings, yes. it must yeah. be unbearable for the other people in the room. But he and I are having a lot of fun. Yes, <laughs> yes of yeah, like...
2: he, he, that's it. he gets into it, you know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So you mentioned uh, as like an example of a more recent one, Lost as a Place.
2: Yeah. So it was also one of the tunes I wrote last year, closer to the time uh, to have new material. And it came from really, again, sitting with the instrument and experimenting with parallel harmony, quartal harmony. And it's something that you do a fair amount of in jazz, but I was trying to do something where it's a combination of parallel movement plus having a voice in the harmony that's free but it's not parallel so then it it gives you all these interesting possibilities because you have a a static structure moving around but then you have another voice that's moving free and then creating many possibilities from the same structure so i was experimenting with that and it it, the sound of it felt like if this being a drift which is moving a static thing around it, it in a very chromatic way it has this feeling of being without a center and that's where the, the the title immediately came to me that it's something about being lost but lost is a place it's also a place <laughs> that the sense of groundlessness is is somewhere also <laughs> and uh, so that's where the title came from and i was just really enjoying the the sound of this harmony and it just that was just it, it was just an exploration of it and it just kind of unfolded from there. And uh, I was r- I was writing some of it with Logic using string sounds and that also gave it its own kind of momentum because it really had a, a quality that I enjoyed. That's why I almost called you for the, yes. for the session. I eventually decided to do it without strings because yeah. I thought it, 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 while it was interesting to hear on Logic, it, it would be maybe less interesting for string players to play. Because it's parallel harmony, maybe? or uh, But, I the, mean, yeah.
0: I think, like, everyone in the yeah. group, you, you say it, we're there. Yeah, like, I know yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, much, yeah. Like,
2: yeah. I'd well. still be keen to do it. Maybe yeah. I'd, I'd revisit the, the, the arrangement and see what else is possible with it. Because it really sounds great with strings. Uh, it sounds better for me with strings, actually. Right. Um, but it became this other thing with the band. Because the right. band, I always let my music become whatever it's supposed to become with everyone's input. Yeah. So it became this psychedelic kind of almost 70s tinged sounding thing, you know. So that's that's what that is Should about, should
0: you know? do a a live version of it with with the live with the strings, strings. Oh
2: yeah, yeah totally. Totally keen on that.
0: How do you survive or make a yeah. living a good as question. a
2: musician? I suppose it is a good question because every musician, probably not just you, I'm discovering that musicians around the world have to have something besides performing, unless you're performing in popular kind of genres that generate income. Yeah. You know, but for a lot of people, it's teaching or it's uh, doing. Jingles or film music composing or something or, or academia. So mm. I'm in the academic world. Right. Um, I I was teaching for many years. That was the way I've survived. And about four years ago, I left Stellenbosch Conservatory. I was teaching there. I was very unhappy teaching there uh, for reasons I can talk about, but I don't have to. Right. <laughs> yeah. But um, I left there very happy. But it, uh, and then. Uh, for six months, it was a struggle, and then I happened to become an artist in residence at UWC's Centre for Humanities Research. Uh, this is a kind of newish program that they were working on to have artists in residence, and I knew the director, and we spoke about it, and he brought me on board. So from twenty fifteen, uh, July twenty fifteen until last year, I'd been as a, a living as an artist in residence with. Support, mm-hmm. gen- generous support mm-hmm. from the Centre for Human oh. Humanities Research, which is the most amazing thing that I've had actually. That's fantastic. Because you you're getting supported to do what you really want to do. Yes. And now uh, they've sort of instigated that I do a PhD, so I've registered for a PhD this year with with the kind of long term view of me sticking around and continuing to do work with them. Right. Yeah.
0: You also do. Uh, I've seen. Uh, just speaking of performances, like yeah. I mean, you you do a lot of touring. Like,
1: yeah, yeah. You
0: know. Yeah, I've done a fair amount of touring. I yeah. mean, would you say it's like above average? <laughs> like I don't know. Like it, I, I, you seem like yeah. someone who's constantly out of the country. It
2: seems that way. I think, for jazz musician in South Africa, I've I've been touring, sort of average and mm-hmm. as as, like a most touring jazz musicians do in in the country, prominent musicians, let's say, but. It's not anywhere near like the the performing schedules of like American jazz musicians who right, perform right. throughout the uh. that's a different thing altogether.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, but I've I've been quite lucky to travel and and see a lot of places and play in in very contrasting situations. Quite a bit on the continent actually, um, which has been fascinating and, and eye opening. Yeah. yeah,
0: you were recently uh, with it was Lungiswa and Brian. That's right. In, that's in right. In, in India. Yes, that's yeah. right.
2: In in South Indian Kerala. Right. Yeah, it was a fantastic place and and an amazing Biennale they have there, and it was very well received, um, and just the kind of place I definitely want to go back to right. From for many reasons: the music, the food, the people, socially what's going on, politically, their history is interesting.
0: I remember, I think you put up a couple of Instagram That's sort right. of videos, That's that, right. sort of yeah, watching yeah. that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of behind the scenes stuff. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, so speaking of, I mean, yeah. like, what is your favorite performance memory, be it like of a rehearsal, or be it a show, or...
2: I don't think it would be one show, but there's, there's a, I, I would say there was, there's a period uh, when the, the club Straightener Chaser, or formerly mm. Mahogany Room, yeah. was in existence where that was a really important period i'm still waiting for someone to write about that because mm. that's an important part of our history that that and and tagore's in, in an observatory yes uh, there was an intimacy about those places where i think some of the more, the best gigs happened i have memories of a few numerous really incredible like mind altering gigs happened ha- happened there happening mm. there not just with my groups but i played there with Kessevin's band, Kessevin and the Lights. Shane's group, the Shane Cooper Quintet. I played with my group, Rizakoda Quartet. We played some early gigs with Babu, when Babu was still uh, in existence. Yeah, and Tagore's was a different thing. It was like a s- informal space. It was a, a center for artists to gather, a social, cultural space. And it, it was really informal, and I had some, some special trippy moments there too so i I wouldn't be able to isolate or highlight one uh, one gig you know they still happen like every now and then like something amazing will happen nothing wow that was one of the great gigs yeah yeah, you know
0: Tagore's is closed as well now. Oh, yeah, it? it's, yeah, been, it's been closed for a while, yeah. I'm just thinking, it, this is, it, is this the one that used to be Touch of Mountains, that building?
2: That's right, the small building. Yeah,
0: with the insane stairs. That's going it. You're that right, 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 yeah, right, Yeah, yeah. But isn't that something else? That happened on it, or is that
2: they f- haven't figured out what to do. I don't think they've got anyone who's taken it over. And I th- they're using it as a pop-up venue for. Okay. As a pop-up gallery and performance space. Yeah, so it's in Limbaugh.
0: Something, someone, whoever's listening, someone needs to do something about this venue yeah, issue. Exactly, yeah. Like, it it is a. I mean, I know uh, people like Cara and Nicola are doing Betwixt and stuff like that, and yes. I think Keenan yeah. has also started like a concert series. Oh If I'm not mistaken. Oh amazing! Um, day, but so. it, it it like what's that simpsons line it's like the crisis and opportunity is the same word yeah. and it's like yes crisis-tunity yeah. but like yeah. yeah anyway um so speaking along those lines what yeah. is what would uh, you say is a favorite piece of yours again there's a lot of so many great pieces
2: but i suppose if i think of music that i always go back to to listen to mm. um stravinsky's uh, Ride of Spring, Firebird, uh, definitely pieces that I, I always go back to. Right right. Just, I think they, the memory of how significant the impact of that music was, is whenever I return to that, it's like returning to the source of a uh, tremendous happening. Right, um, and one that you wrote. It's hard to feel the same about your own music. Cause you're always critical, and it's always like a work in progress. It's. But, um and you mentioned like
0: a event horizon as as a possible one, yeah,
2: yeah, no, definitely no. Is, is a possible one, I think, in terms of the success of how it brings together all the different strands of influences throughout my my music career mm. it's it is an example. I think if you listen to it hum, like harmonically again, it's a distillation or maybe not a distillation, but it's it's definitely an indication of stuff I've been listening to and into Mm. as we've spoken about over the years and me kind of figuring out how to actually do that in a jazz setting and again like I think because of my background I'm not thinking about what is jazz about I'm just thinking about music and yeah so there's there's this kind of almost poly polychordal, polytonal things going on which I really like again that some some are influenced by Mahavishnu Orchestra and Stravinsky and maybe other composers, but that's that kind of sound. This this, this tune sort of brings that into, yeah, you know, something like that. But it also has an energy and the 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 time signature is kind of a bit has a floating feeling, you know. And the way the band plays, really, that's that's what's interesting for me. The energy with which we play the right. piece together.
1: I'm trying to remember now...
0: Because I was listening to that on, yeah. on Transmutation yesterday. If if it's that song... It's the opener on on uh, Liminal. That's right. Yeah. It's the first track. Like, That's right. I'm trying to remember now... One of the, the first tracks, I think it is... that yeah. has this crazy coda... Where, like... it, it it's suddenly with synths. It's It, like, just feel-wise... Yeah. It becomes very... It might different. be that one. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. There's synths on that tune on, on Lost Is A Place... And uh, I think on Yekated. Um so I think it's I think it, it's I think a, it, it it's is event horizon. Yeah, and where sh- yeah. there's
0: sort of like flutes and stuff sort of start coming and uh, Flutes
2: in. are on Lost Place. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's, there's also very that, cool like, synthie stuff in that. So that's that's Shane, because Shane has another life as an electronic producer called and he's as a card and spokes. You're right. And he did such an amazing job of using that side of his music interest in his last album, Mabuta, Welcome to this World. Right. So we got talking about trying to bring some of that into my album and he was completely open to right. experimenting. Right. So so after we tracked the music with Fuzzy, we took the, the tracks to his studio um, in his house and we, sat, we spent a weekend just like experimenting and right. coming up with stuff together. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got these, these Crazy, amazing analog synths. So for me, that's that was really great because aesthetically, am totally into that. Right. That especially the analog stuff. Right. And and I think like uh, if there's anyone I trust in terms of taste, Shane is one of those people because he's totally against the cheese
0: factor. Right.
2: <laughs> right. So uh, there's no risk of going there. So so yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: So what is the best advice you've ever received from a teacher or a mentor
2: at different points there have been different advice but you know like when i was studying classical guitar there was some of the advice was related to time and and temporality so one of the earliest pieces of potent simple but potent wisdom that i got was to listen backwards when you play and uh such a simple concept completely revolutionized how I could how I played because on an instrument like the guitar or the piano you play a note and then it fades you have the, you don't have the continuity of, like on your instrument or right. the voice so the the mistake that guitar players more so and piano players make is you think about the moment you attack the note you don't think about the decay you don't right. so. The whole concept of listening backwards was to listen to the note after you've played it and then use that to connect it to the next note. Okay. So that was a very potent lesson for me because I've learned how to phrase from that right. and how to create interest in phrasing, not, not just about the technical side, but how to use that as a way to, to draw the listener in by creating this very legato kind of seamless way of playing. So that was something that stuck with me. And then maybe similar, but in another way, um, in jazz, it's the opposite thing, is you got to think ahead. Because if you have these chords coming at you, at sometimes in very quick succession, you have to be thinking two or three chords ahead if you want to improvise over it. Otherwise, by the time it's there, and if you think about it, it's too late already. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. So very interesting, con- Contradictory, seemingly contradictory concepts are about temporality, but both very profound. Right. <laughs> in terms of what they can allow you to achieve
0: right if you add stay in the moment there then you can be all over the place
2: exactly
1: (laughs)
0: yeah Yeah, exactly well that's the other side yeah exactly
2: being in the moment so yeah my head's all over the place (laughs) (laughs) clearly Uh,
0: so along those lines yeah what would you suggest to an aspiring composer or to the new music scene as a whole I th- yeah
2: i think we need to always dig deep and uh, i found that something that I, has been beneficial for me and i would encourage young composers to do that and and definitely not settle for what you know because you never you just it's impossible if you think that you know enough you missed the point completely yeah. totally missed the point because if you take this continent on its own just this continent there's so much we don't know about. So that's another direction that I'm currently pursuing as part of my PhD, and just in general, is, is investigating music from the continent. Specifically, I've looked at music from Ethiopia, some Nigerian or West African music, Moroccan, Gnawa music. I've also been transcribing some maskanda. So that's something that I've been doing. Whatever it is, I, I think that as a composer, or musician, you really have to always be digging and searching and opening your ears and your mind because going back to the composer I mentioned earlier, Baris Mongore, he said that to be a composer or a musician you have to bathe yourself in the fountain of cultures. And, and I really believe that, I took that on. So that would be my advice, is uh, don't go for what music, uh, the music industry says music is about. Because you, you'll just be redundant. Yeah. There's so much more than what what you told a genre is about or music is about.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know,
2: yeah.
0: So those are the questions that I ask everybody. Cool, great. Yeah, so what I like doing at the end is uh, if people are listening to this, if yeah. they have a question that yeah. they want to submit. So yeah. if anyone's out there, you can reach me on Twitter at yeah. Bat Composer or I'm on Facebook and Instagram. If you have a question that you'd like to yeah. ask any composer, this is a very simple, straightforward one. Run the Jewels or Rage Against the Machine?
2: Run. Oh, okay. Uh, rage Against the
0: Machine? That was easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. If people wanted to get hold of you or to follow your upcoming gigs, how yeah. best could they follow you? Um, my website, it, which is
2: www.rizakota.com. I usually have everything on there.
0: Do you have any yeah. upcoming things that you'd like to punt? You've got the album? I've got album the, I'm
2: playing at the Jazz Festival. Yes, I saw. Yeah. yeah. That's on the thirtieth of March. Okay. Uh probably be at the Moses Modeleco
1: stage.